Today, it is my pleasure to be here with Lara Juarez. Lara is a business owner, strategist, coach, entrepreneur, yoga instructor, and overall lover of life. After a 25 plus year corporate career, she birthed pure potential with a vision of helping high achievers courageously embody their potential, elevate their impact in the world, and prioritize their well being at the same time. Listen for how Lara helps naturally high achievers to do so in their true and sacred essence. We talk about doing and all of the connotations that women have with achievement. This conversation has so much wisdom in it. Thank you for being here. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Okay. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Mm, Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh my gosh. It's so good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, It's an honor to have you as a guest. So you have done this amazing thing of bridging a corporate career, um, blending in the sacred work that you do. And so today I'd really just love to have a conversation about this feminine leadership and infusing the sacred into modern life with you because it's something you live and breathe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know how gracefully, but I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I really admire too, Laura, is when women in leadership can say, oh, that wasn't very graceful. I'm going to try again. Or exactly. Yeah, it's just part of being real, which I see you do all the time, mm-hmm. um, keep keeping it real. So... Ah, amazing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You came from a corporate background. I did. So I started my career way back when, right? So 93, graduated from college and went immediately into corporate consulting. My background is in organizational design, development, change management. And I worked into Fortune 500 with a really large global consulting firm. And I did that for a while. And as you could imagine, I mean, that goes way back, Mm -hmm. um, It was a very male-dominated industry, but then I left that and went into an even more male-dominated industry, which is (laughs) 
building materials. So I then, I know, yes, yes. So in 97, uh, joined a manufacturing business that sold business to business across a five state-ish area in the Midwest and eventually purchased that business and have run it as CEO and chair for a long time. So I still am in that capacity today. Um, I also have quite a bit of governance experience through board of director positions with both for and nonprofit businesses. And then, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but I have some other kind of side uh, entrepreneurial startups that I've done along the way as well, which was my way of creating more integration of that sacred feminine and this whole idea of bringing the um, kind of the spirit of who we are into the work that we do every day. Yes. So beautiful. So 20 questions just popped yes. Yes. after all of that. Wow. Okay. So one of the things that I, I would love to talk about for us is, you know, there are a lot of women listening who are working in careers um, where something is not resonating with them or there feels to be a discord between their authentic self and the work that they're doing. And when I hear you talk about being a corporate CEO, you know, for in a field regarding like building materials, I'm thinking, well, that's not inherently like the feminine, right? So I would love to hear about how you personally journeyed with work and your sacred self and the, the, I don't want to say merging, but the interplay between those two. Um, That's a broad question, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would start by saying, first of all, that for those of us that feel like there's this gap or this chasm between where we really feel called to be in our most authentic form in the spirit of who we are relative to what shows up every day in a work environment, you are not alone. And Mm -hmm. I I think I came to that, and the interplay sounds so graceful. Um, I came to it through literally a crash. I, I figured out early how to play the game and I was effective at it. And so I worked long and hard. I was able to um, hold my own, so to speak, in a more kind of masculine leadership world. Mm-hmm. And I always had this awareness that there was some missing piece, that there was this void. And that's what it felt like to me. It was almost like this emptiness, but I was so driven, Sarah, to produce the results and achieve the goal that I was willing to ignore it for a long time. And um, I think that collapse that I mentioned, for me, it was a medical one. Mm-hmm. But that collapse came both because of that tenacity and that drive being so over the top that my body was like, mm, yep, yeah, not so much. Yeah, like and an adrenal so thing. I'm going to crash out on you. Yeah. And yeah. it was pretty mm-hmm. significant. So yeah. it was classified as stage four adrenal failure. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. And, uh, and also just this recognition that there was something within me that I had forgotten, like this, this truth of who I was, was not Mm -hmm. showing up in my everyday life. And in, in that way, and you hear women say this a lot, this fear of being exposed as a fraud, most often we're referring to that as a competency. Like what if someone discovers that I'm not good enough or I don't belong at the table or I shouldn't have a voice. But I also think it is this realization 
from the from an inner landscape that we are in fact defrauding ourselves by not allowing the fullness and the wholeness of who we are to be part of our presentation into the world. Right, right. And in my experience, I relate to so much of what you're saying. I had the adrenal collapse as well. I was a high achieving uh, school principal. Um, and then, yeah, I had that moment of remembering. So yeah, being in that, in that place of not knowing what's missing and the default is that you think that what's missing is that you're not achieving in some way. It's, it's like, for me, the realization that it was me that I was missing was under there, but um, it, I, don't, I don't know, it was almost secondary or something like that. It was, um, it, it became an act of courage in order to remember. And I just want to lift that up for women listening. Like, if you're sensing that something is sort of missing, um, you're not alone. And it's very, very real. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I love the word remembering because when you break it apart, and I talk a lot about this, I, I also own a yoga studio and teach. And re, and so I, I teach a lot this idea of yoga as a practice of returning. And to me, that returning, it's not about moving somewhere or going somewhere. It is about coming home, right? Yes. It's about arriving back in truth. And so you take this word remember and you think about the the um the membering of that, like all of the different parts and the re is the suturing of it back together, this drawing back into a whole. And I, man, such a big believer that this highest form of courage is our willingness to be vulnerable, to be truthful and to put that out in the world in a way that it, that might feel like we're exposing ourselves in some way, but that is the lesson that we can all demonstrate that gives the invitation and the permission to everybody to bring their whole self into what they're doing. And so when you're, when you're sitting at a board table or when you're sitting in a meeting, are we courageous enough to say, let me lean into my intuition, right? Are we courageous yeah. enough to say, I, I want to pause and just take some breath? Just these very simple tactics and tools that we know work so well that we, for some reason, have embarrassment about introducing into our public life. Right. And I think that this is where women can actually really, really lead, um, which, again, requires that courage. But I think it's, in my opinion, it's women who are going to be more in touch with these different kinds of leadership and modeling these different kinds of leadership. But then, you know, we're also in boardrooms uh, with men, you know, there are still old stigmas playing out. And so that courage to own those feminine principles inside of leadership um, oh my gosh, it's so, it's cutting edge. It's like world changing right now. It is. It is. And I'll tell you, I sit at the table with a lot of women and men, and I don't find the resistance to be gender specific. Mm-hmm. I actually find men to be as hungry, as curious about this possibility of a new way of leadership because within all of us, right? What, regardless of your gender identification from a physicality standpoint, within all of us li- live these qualities 
energies, this integration or this fluidity between masculine and feminine. And there's a place for all of it. There's a there, if we can start to think about it as like, well, what, what is the most appropriate way for me to help to create a win-win or for me to help mobilize a positive solution or impact in the world? And sometimes we pull on those more traditionally masculine qualities to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't and I can for the listeners what some of those are. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's okay. Yeah, I would just love for you to um to to speak to the examples of those, like masculine and feminine, um, for our listeners. Sure, sure. So for, you know, we, we, like, I think just generally this energetic movement forward. So when we think about masculine, we can think about the more solar qualities of anything. So this outward expression, this push, this radiance, this drive, we also can think about it from the standpoint of decisiveness from this, from a willingness to take the risk to make the decision. Mm -hmm. And those are, those aren't male qualities, Mm -hmm. but they're more solar qualities. And then this place of inquiry, this place of reflection, this place of thoughtfulness and consideration, this leaning into what is not five senses, that's a more, those are more feminine qualities. Mm-hmm. And so, or lunar, if you want to think about it that way, I, I almost like this idea of pulling the words masculine and feminine out um, mm-hmm. because we have such a gender identification with them. But there is, you know, there's real beauty in being able to flow between all of those and to know the appropriate time, place, and situation in which to use one. So it's, it's like tools in your toolkit, right? You're not always using a hammer, even though it's really effective when you need a hammer. But yeah. that's, there's a time and place for it. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. This is like mirroring my TEDx, Laura. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much of this is what I talked about in that, in that talk. So where were you in your career when you started to um, acknowledge like, oh, there are actually these different energies. And even though I'm a high achieving woman, so you said you were, you had gotten pretty ill um, by maybe overexerting. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. And so was there this consciousness then of, I need to soften, I need to bring in these other qualities? How did that happen? Yeah, I, it really came for me through two kind of life events. One happened prior to my uh, medical mishap, if we want to call it that. <laughs> and right. that was in uh, during the course of my first divorce, which really caught me off guard and pulled my rug out from underneath me. So it really caused me to question everything that I had held as firm truth. And it was the first time in my life that I had really been willing to play in the questions versus needing definitive answers and to have some spaciousness around that, which was important for me to, in order to heal, right? Like at my, my old approach of just getting in there, driving through, fixing whatever was wrong, working harder was not going to lead to any healing. And I had this kind of intuitive awareness, although I wouldn't have articulated it that way at the time. And then that combined with several years later, having this pretty significant medical uh, breakdown really, I think, broke me open in a way that I'm not sure would have been possible without those two events. And Mm -hmm. I started on this journey of exploring 
the practices of meditation and yoga more as technologies. And then as that those technologies became more integrated into who I was, I began to explore their way of being, which then became very much this um, uncovering or unveiling of the truth of who I was, which we all are these beautiful, radiant, spiritual beings here for purpose, not like a specific life purpose. This is the only work you're intended to do, but that this we're here to radiate out that wisdom, that beauty, that uniqueness of who we are in the way that only we can and to touch all spheres of our life, not to have that show up in one area and not another. And so how do we just keep working towards that wholeness? Right. So you work with women now in how to bridge that personal wholeness. And I'll call, I'll I'll bring in the word sacred here, how to bring in that sacred nature into the work that they do in the world. Is that right? Yes, it is. And I work with men as well. Okay. Um, I really believe wholeheartedly and I feel very called to be in this space of closing a gap that I think exists between the work that we do and how we think about the work we do in the form of commerce and the sacredness of the life that we're living. And somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. we've, we've created this separate view of life versus work. We, when we mm-hmm. talk about this when we say life work balance, well, you know, what is that, right? Mm-hmm. Work is part of our life. It's not separate then. And so how do we get to this more integrated state of being where we're working towards this win-win where there is a commitment towards the um, positive uh, impact that we're all designed to have and thus our organizations are designed to have. So beautifully said. Thank you so much. So I would love to hear you speak more to more about your views of the sacred in modern life and the sacred in the everyday and this notion that it's not separate. Mm, yeah, and so funny we you know we say that and it almost feels radical, but it's truly the simplest clearest <laughs> right message, right? Around how is it that we choose to live our life? And um, I try to make a very conscious choice every morning around how do I want to live my life and not so much around what is it that I strive to achieve, but who do I want to be in the midst of whatever I'm doing? And if that's in the midst of the achieving, great. And if that's in the midst of failure, fabulous, right? If that's in the midst of relationship, awesome. But it's this question around how do I become the fullest, brightest version of myself? How do I stay true to that? How do I make a positive impact with my presence, not necessarily my talent and skill all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So I would love to circle back around to this notion of like being a high achiever, because would you say that you're still a high achiever? <laughs> yeah, it's an affliction yeah. <laughs> and a blessing. Yes. Right, right. So, okay. So we've been talking about um, some qualities of feminine leadership and the feminine and the sacred and infusing this into daily life. And so you are um, a corporate CEO, a small business owner, an entrepreneur. You coach people in how to bridge um, this the sacred self wholeness and sacred work into, um, into their whole life, into work life. Um, how do you do that now? 
So how do you do it differently now than you did before that adrenal collapse? Yeah, I would say I really didn't intentionally do it before the before that event happened. And um and it's been an evolution, but now I mean I start my day that way, so my day starts in spaciousness, call it what you will, but for me it's this real contemplative connection with higher spirit. And um, I start every morning feet on the earth. So, and I've done this for a long, long time. This practice has been with me since college, but I'm a huge believer that there is um, such divine wisdom available to us through nature. And the more time we can spend there, right? Like in nature, in commune with all that's beautiful um, and, and, and naturally given to us as gift, the, the more connected we are to the whole right? The more part of the one that we feel. Mm-hmm. And so every morning for me is that. Um, I journal every morning. I am really clear around. I'm also a, like a, a magnificent project manager, task list maker, <laughs> doer of all things. So I spend time watching that habit of just push, 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 and try to get clear around what's the most important thing for me today? Where do I want to wake up and stay alert in my own life to my own tendencies and habits? How can I be in alignment with my own growth's edge? And I I try to write to those things. And for Mm -hmm. me, writing is an access point to wisdom that I don't always have when I'm speaking. So that's a very powerful modality. In fact, I published a book just recently. It's a field guide called Ignite Your Impact. And that's really the essence of it is it takes people through this journey of self-discovery using writing and meditation as these modalities of transcendence, right? Like above this cognitive Mm -hmm. processing of how Mm -hmm. we would typically digest life and and day. yeah. So those parts of, of my day are really essential. And gosh, 10 years ago, I would have said, I will never make time to do that because it's, it's stillness. It's not, it's not achieving anything. It's not crossing anything off of a list. But the reality is, is my productivity and the quality of my output is so much higher as a result of those practices. And my ability to be present and creatively thinking and thus contributing is so much better as a result of those practices. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And I think that this is really huge for so many of us women that it's almost like what energy is coming, is propelling your high achievement, your doing, your production. Um, and so often it's, it's not what we're getting done, but it's where that drive is coming from that matters the most. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you can, you can be very productive. And I'm hearing you say you have these practices of centering, of stillness, of writing that lead you to very focused action throughout mm-hmm. the day. So it's not productivity for productivity's sake. Right. I think you can start with productivity for productivity's sake for people that are like, okay, that's too much of a departure from Mm -hmm. where I've been. Um, You know, you can just start to insert some of those contemplative or spacious practices into your productivity formula and Mm -hmm. just witness what happens, right? Like, 
one of the things that I find happening all the time is we both have a sense, like we can feel into this awareness and we can actually witness in others that we're coming to the table with just a fraction of our capability. Mm. Most people know that they're capable of contributing so much more than what they are, but they have fear story. They have limiting belief. They have worry around how they'll be perceived. And so we just keep coming to the table with one hand tied behind our back. Mm. And if we were willing to look at some of these tools, not as like, woo-woo meditation tools that are going to slow us down and do all of the magic that we know that it does from a well-being, right? From a wellness standpoint, but we really Mm -hmm. look at it as practical um, results-oriented tools to improve performance. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it more accessible to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we, we understand the power of the sacred in work because we've experienced the sacred in work. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, what comes first chicken or the egg, but I I think you can start from where you are and just begin to create a, a, a slightly different trajectory. I really appreciate that perspective because I think so many people, and this was me when I left my career, there, there feels like there needs to be a giant leap. It's like, how do I infuse these things? Oh my gosh, so much has been forgotten. I must go get it. And that means I have to leave what I have built here. And I really love Laura that you're shining the example that um, it's all, we are all able to do this together. And in fact, um, bringing these practices into places like corporate and places like leadership. Um, it's, it's changing the world. I mean, it's changing how we all are interacting with ourselves, with business, with commerce, as you were saying. So, yeah, thank you for modeling that. I think sure. was, go ahead. Just one comment on that. Um, and you've, you've had this experience personally. I, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that you've shared some of your journey with me in the past. And I've experienced this to a different degree because I didn't leave my corporate world in order to do something else. I just kind of layered on top, which is mm-hmm. both interesting and a bad habit. But, <laughs> but the, um, I, I think it's easy to think in the moment that making a wholesale change is the answer, that it's the easiest path. And in fact, people that I've seen who have made wholesale changes, it is really difficult and really stressful. And so my encouragement always to people is if you feel this misalignment in your life, first of all, take a look at where you are and see if it's possible for you to create alignment there. It, it might feel like, oh, I just need to leave this and go do something else. But in some ways, it's worth exploring if you're called in the environment environment you're in to be a steward of this new way of being, to be a leader or a model of this different leadership approach. And maybe still the answer is it's time to leave. It's time to move on. But I do think it's worth the inquiry of can you stay right? And this practice of learning how to stay and really discern and be a witness before we just make this choice to go or leave or flee or run or get out, um, I think is worth exploring. It's so worth exploring. 
exploring. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be either or. And I think in my personal journey, I did, I vacillated. So when I had that adrenal crash and that remembrance of the feminine, um, I swung all in, in the direction of the feminine and um, almost discredited my masculine because I saw that, oh my gosh, my overdrive, it was almost like the wounded masculine, you know, this patriarchal concept um, of like, this is how you achieve because I had been so aligned with that and now I was sick, I almost abandoned that. And so I abandoned some of those qualities that had been, you know, what really built me up as a, as a strong leader. Um, and, and yeah, I did make that career leap. And I do think that that was my soul's path and how I had to do that. And yeah, sometimes my soul likes to learn in really hard lessons, Yes, but (laughs) most (laughs) of ours do. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I, that's one of the reasons I love to shine light in these conversations is because, you know, when women come and they're in the awakening or they're in the remembering and it feels so intense, you know, you don't have to jump ship from your marriage. You don't have to jump ship from your, your job and your career. Like we can slow that process down and that sacred remembering can happen right in those places. And I've seen such powerful, um, transformation and healing like within women and their careers and within their marriages when they have stayed and um and incorporated some of the sacred feminine sacred remembering back into those you know more traditional areas um and and it's really infusing change into the world so yes (laughs) you don't have to jump ship Right, yeah. right. And sometimes that's where the greatest growth is, right? Where that, that place where we feel yes. the greatest discomfort, that is our growth's edge. Yes. And I can I can leave a relationship or I can leave a job, but I miss that opportunity to both grow and also be an example of a, a new way of being and create this uplift for everyone that was involved in that sphere. Right. Which, and, and I just want to name, you know, for women doing this, like that is so hard. It is so hard to do. And, you know, you're not alone. You have help. And Laura is one support. I'm another support. Laura, thank you so much. I want to ask you if there's anything that's resonating for you that wants to be said before we tell folks where they can find you. Yeah, no, I'm so appreciative of what you're doing. I think this conversation is really important. I'm I'm a really big believer, Sarah, that um, we have this mistaken notion that we have one purpose in life, that there's something that we're supposed to be doing. And if we could just reshape the way we think about that and really put our energy and our heart towards figuring out the being of who we are, like the Mm -hmm. essence and the beauty of who we are, this like once in a lifetime creation and allow that to inform the doing of what we're up to and recognizing that the doing can be fluid. It can be one thing in one chapter and something else in another chapter, but to always be in followership of the being of who we are. And that is our great work is to both be 
in discovery, this remembering of that, because that's the sacred journey. And then to continue to build the muscle that of courage that it takes to put that out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing, which is so beautiful, is creating community and conversation around that, because it's really hard to do isolated and alone. And yeah. to be with people to um, that share, you know, that really share that desire and are a stand for your greatness makes such a difference. Right. Thank you for saying that. And I really, uh, something else wants to be said here too. Um, You know, talking about how this journey is messy um, as women, I think getting back to some things we were talking about earlier, where when you're in those boardrooms and you're in, you're in this mode of performance. There's so much pressure, mostly from yourself, like yourself onto yourself, um, to be or do or or um, know it all. You know, as a as an academic, I always had so much pressure put on myself to know the correct answer. Like it must be in a book somewhere, and I must have me- memorized it. And now I'm going to bring it forward. Anyway, that's how I was measuring my own worth mm-hmm. and performance and all of that. Um, but <laughs> I kind of took a winding road there to get to what I wanted yeah. to say. You know, I've had a couple of conversations in the last few days, and, and myself included, where we were looking at self-improvement and going, what else do I have to do? And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're, we're almost like we've been entrained into this doing and this performance as women. And I think what you're saying here, Laura, that, that it's remembering who you are and your essence, and that's all you have to do. Right. <laughs> all the performance that is required, you know, yes. in order to heal, in order to have a good job and be successful, like the core essence of you online is your biggest determinant of your success. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And this remembering that um, the person that you see at the table that looks like they have it all together, that is, um, you know, leading with some degree of authority and you just think doesn't have any fear at all, they do. Like yeah. everybody's in the same boat. Everybody has these internal questions and struggles. And that is what makes the community so important. Right. And so in, you know, we talk a lot in yoga about the difference between intention and goal. And I think the goal speaks to what you mentioned and it's really powerful. What exactly are you doing? What What's the contribution you are making in measurable form? Because it matters, right? Like the impact that you have in the world, it matters. We're here to make this world a better place. But then there's this intention of who are you in the midst of the doing and can you hold true to that? Can you continue to allow that to radiate? Can you do all that you want to do without compromising who you are, without compromising your health, without compromising your spirit? And that is true sacred living. Mm, Yes. And thank you so much for building that yoga community in Asheville where people are, um, are feeling that permission. So beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So let's let folks know where to find you online and yeah, in Asheville at Pure Yoga Studio. 
Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you're in Asheville, I own Pure Yoga, which is right downtown. Um, I'm a big lover of all things yoga and meditation and really believe that that practice is so much more than what's happening physically on your mat. It's really to help you live the life that you want to live off of your mat. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of finding me other than that, my website is laurawarez.com. And on that, you can find all of the links to my social media profiles. So you can engage in the conversation conversation there. My business is called Pure Potential. And I just published a book, which you can get on Amazon called Ignite Your Impact. So you can Google that. And if you're interested, check it out. Congratulations on your book. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited about it. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate Mm -hmm. you being here and appreciate the space you hold in this world. Thank you so much. And same to you, Sarah. I'm really honored to be part of what you're up to. And um, really, it's such important work. So Mm. I I honor that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Hey, it's Sarah. I really believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that this is affecting her entire life. That's why I've created a women's mastermind beginning in early January of 2020. What sacred truth are you ready to embody this year? Visit sarahpoet.com now and sign up for more information on this mastermind. I will be teaching, leading, and together we will be co-creating a transformational experience where every woman in this sacred circle will rise into the embodied truth of who she is. This is potent. If you can feel it and 2020 is your year to really embody your true essence, then please visit sarahpoet.com and get on the waiting list now. If you're resonating with the topics that you're hearing in this podcast, please join us at facebook.com slash groups slash sacred remembering. We're keeping the conversation going on all things women and all things sacred remembering It's free. It's community. Please join us. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.